the past. It used to be a newspaper. The Bob Podcast. Not outclassed. Ones on mass. Get it on my leader right up to the end of the game. The Bob Podcast. My name's Mark Hiles, and I'm the Chief Football Writer of the Bolton News. This is the show that puts the sheet in tough sheet, and this is what we've got coming up. It's a right royal disaster. Just what is happening with Saturday's opponents, Reading? Jet set, go. International break's over, but can Wanderers start winning again? Screen Queens. When is this digital revamp going to happen? And we find out whether Henry would ever swap bodies with Lawrence Bassini. All of that in the podcast that has submitted a squad to the EFL and has absolutely no players under the age of 21. One that's been added to the Martin McGee squad. Oh, here's Jilks. Has he given a penalty? He has. Jilks has gone down. And there's a chance now for Reading to go three up. Well, Jimmy Quinn normally takes the penalties, or he did early in the season. I just wonder who is going to take this responsibility. It's going to be Simon Osborne, I think. There's always a danger when Gilks runs at you. You get a bit nervous because of his pace. And really, it was silly of McAteer because he'd run, the ball had gone away. No, it's not Osborne. It's going to be Stuart Lovell. If he gets this, I think it would be an absolute miracle if uh, Bruce Rioch can uh, recover the poise of his team. Stuart Lovell with a chance to make it 3-0. It's brilliantly saved. And Lovell can't force it home. A great piece of goalkeeping by Brannigan. And who knows? That might well turn things around. 3-0, as David was saying, would almost be impossible. And now if Bolton can get back into the game, they would see that that could well be the turning point on a really vital afternoon. So before we get started, a quick reminder that we have a time-limited sale. That's what they told me, that's what it's called. Um, On subscription to the Bolton News. It's going on right now. So for just one of the King's English Pounds, you can have a whole month of unlimited articles, access to our subscriber-only features like the BWFC in the 90s podcast, videos, audio, our ad-free app for your phone or for your tablet. There's loads going on, loads of benefits, and it's reader offers as well. Go to theboltonnews.co.uk backslash subscribe, one quid, one month, flexible subscription, PayPal is accepted, cancel any time, just try it. Thank you very much. Okay, it's time to introduce my co-host and a man who just told me off air that he auditioned to be on the latest series of The Great British Bake Off by creating a gatto version of Frank Passy. It's Henry Hewitt. Henry, how are you doing? I'm very good, thank you. It's uh, It was very nice, actually. I can't believe they, uh, they didn't approve it. But hey, The Great British Bake Off and Channel 4's loss is the buffs gain. I'm still here. I'm still ready to talk about Baltimore Wanderers. No Hollywood handshake then? No, unfortunately not. Um, I got a berry handshake instead. <laughs> yeah, well, I know where your hands have been, so there's no way on earth I'd be uh, 
That, that arcs back to another conversation we've just had off air. I'm not even, I'm not even going there. I'm not even going there. Anyway, <laughs> right, let's get back onto it. Football's back. We've got some football to talk about finally, Henry. How's, how's your international break been? Uh, it was nice. And um, I guess Bolton are coming off the back of two wins, which seemed like uh, yonks ago now. But yeah. Um, yeah, it was nice. We had a bit of football to watch with Dion and Josh Sheehan. So... Uh, uh, yeah, it was uh, kept us interested, and of course, what happened at League One at the weekend, which Bolton almost went to the top of the league, which would have been lovely. Um, but no, ready for Bolton to to get back playing um, against a team who, uh, well, I guess what's going on, it'd be interesting at Reading, won't it? Because it mm. parallels with what was happening to us a few years ago. I, I wonder if there'll be any tennis balls thrown on the pitch, and we'll get to see it from the. Uh, it was West Brom we played, wasn't it, that That's night? Right. That's yeah, right. we get to see it from their point of view. Yeah, no, I've just been speaking to James. In fact, we'll have some stuff come up later in the show uh, down at the Reading Chronicle. And he was saying the old tennis balls had got a mention. That could happen on Saturday. They had a, they had a sit-in against Peterborough United a couple of weeks ago as well. That obviously things not going well there will... We'll get into we'll get into that we'll get into that let's not get ahead of ourselves too much because let's let's review the international break for for what it's worth because I, I mean I'm I, I obviously appreciate the Bolt Wanderers players go away but I don't uh, I don't put too much investment in it I don't I I, I like watching England I've been much more into the Rugby World Cup if I'm honest um, but I was even more into the cricket last night watching Ben Stokes knocking knocking stuff around but um, yeah. Uh, there have been international games played. Dion, uh, two caps to add to his total, but Northern Ireland having an absolute mare. Uh, Josh Sheehan came off the bench against uh, South Korea, wasn't it? And he's got a cap again. He's, he's an international again. Uh, who else played? Connor Carty for Republic of Ireland under-21s as well. No injuries, as far as we can tell. Uh, so that's all you really want, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. You want him to come back. And I know Dion and Josh had had uh, long trips as well. So as long as they come back fighting fit and ready to go against Reading, uh, then that's the main thing. Um, I mean, we'll talk about the, the Reading game later on and who might play. Do you? Do you I mean, it's going to be tough, I guess. It's this new yeah. world that Bolton live in again. That We've got two players coming back from long trips. Uh, but they're two vital players, aren't they? You, Ian Everett's got a bit of a decision to make. Well, it's a good point. I mean... Kazakhstan is not just around the corner, is it? And uh, I think, what, what was the first game that Dion Charles played in? God, Timbuktu, was it? Timbuk, it was Timbuktu <laughs> away. Never an easy place to go, you're right. Um, no. no, actually, it was, it was Slovenia. It was Slovenia. Of course, um, yeah. It's not, I mean, it's, you know, we complain about Plymouth, but it's a little bit further than that. Um, so he's gone away to Slovenia, away to Kazakhstan. Both defeats, and with the greatest of respect to Northern Ireland as well, I can't imagine it was business class, all singing, all dancing, private jet. I would imagine they would have been on, is there a Ryanair to Kazakhstan? I don't know. Um, <laughs> or a jet to, whatever. It would be something like that. So it's a good point you make. Does Dion Charles, knowing how important he is to Bolton's team, is, is that going to have taken too much out of him? I didn't see him on the pictures that the club put out of training the other day, so I'm assuming he won't even get back in until we're recording this Thursday. So I'm assuming... Today, maybe even only Friday. What does that yeah. matter? Yeah, it's. Uh, I, I mean, Dion. Dion obviously brings so much to the the team, and we we missed it against Wigan. We saw what we we missed without him. Yeah. Um, you know, and and again, just 
going back to the Reading game before we, we kind of move on slightly from it. Um, it. It could be a very difficult game. It could be a game where if the, if the fans have obviously rightly so, you know, want to protest, it could be a game that Bolton need to get ahead early on because if it gets disrupted, which, I mean, we're, we're just going off maybes and rumours, but if it does get disrupted, then it could be very difficult to get yourself into it later on. So, you know, it, it could be a game where Dion starts and then comes off mm. at 60 minutes, um, you know, because we we don't have a match in the midweek, do we? So he's got a full week to, to recover, yeah. I guess. Yeah, no, it's a good point. I mean, they they came back into kind of winning momentum beforehand with, with the Derby win, with the, uh, with the Salford win in the Cup as well. All the work seems to have been done in the first half an hour, three quarters of an hour of the game. You know, you can tell whether it's going to be a good day or a bad day this season based upon how they're doing in the first half. Unlike Bolton under Ian Everett, who have scored so many, so many goals late on in games, that seems to be the, the pattern, doesn't it? So it, it might suit them a little bit to, to go, you know, balls out, get your, your strongest team out there, regardless of internationals, and just hope that they, uh, they last the hour, if you will. Yeah, it's uh, the Gary Medine sort of theory I, I used to have is that you could tell if Medine... <laughs> that as well. Uh, we know what he's like. Uh, no, I used to be able to tell whether Gary Medine had have a good game in the first 10 minutes. You know, if the ball went up to him, if he, if he got a flick on, mm. uh, then I think, right, he's up for this. But if he didn't bother, this... I mean, to be fair to Gary Medine, this was in the uh, seasons before that amazing half a season he had in the championship and then a, a, a good League One season. Um but yeah, it's that's my Gary Medine theory is is we put into Bolton. You can tell in the first twenty thirty minutes whether it's going to be a good day or not. Yes, I mean it, 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 it's very typically the buff that we've got a theory based on a player that hasn't played for Bolton Wanderers for about five years. But hey, you know why 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 bother why why break why fix what's not broken? Um, okay, so news has happened during the international break. Uh, not a lot of news, I must say, but some news has happened. And Henry, you have totted up the headlines, so take it away. News. Yeah, well, the first one is about the uh, the squad that Bolton submitted. Each team has to submit their squad until January, and uh, Bolton is have got. On paper, you look at it, the headline, 18 man senior squad, and you think, oh, we could be in trouble here. But there's a few extra things that go into that, isn't there? Yeah, so the maximum number of players that they can submit are 25. So there are seven spaces there. Uh, that, that does not include the 18 man squad that they've included, uh, they've submitted rather, doesn't include goalkeepers, and it doesn't include players who were 21, sorry, under 21 at the turn of the year. So they've actually got 21 under-21s, if you will, um, including some of the players that are playing, obviously, in the first team right at the minute. Uh, so they've got plenty of options. I mean, it does show you that, comparatively speaking, if you look across League One, Bolton's squad is on the smaller side, probably the, the lowest third um, in terms of senior players. Reading, who they play on Saturday, have only got 13 senior players, just to, to put that into context. Um, a lot of clubs around are about the 20 mark, uh, certainly the stronger ones that you'd expect, the Derbys, the Oxfords, the Charltons, etc, etc. So it's, it's maybe a little light, um, but 
you know, we've, we've put these things to T. Never. He's said the squad has got the flexibility this season that he hasn't had in the past. So whereas you've had players that can only play one position, he has several players now that can go into different ones. There's a lot more uh, versatility within the team that he's got. People like Ashworth, for example, who could play centre-back, could play left-back, could play central midfield. You, you know, Jack Iredale's there. Randall Williams can play either side. And that's just, just naming a few, I suppose. So... Yeah, I, I think he's, he's confident that barring the absolute worst injury crisis that, you know, they can they can get to January and then maybe maybe have a look. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think we've, we, we have discussed on this podcast because, you know, we've, we've talked about the squad, we've compared it to last year, blah, 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 blah. Um, but I, I must admit, having heard Ian Everett speak, I think it was after the Derby game or whenever it was and... and you know, alluding to his squad as well, is that you you can look on paper and think we are thin, but when he, he explained and he said, well, you know, Mendes Gomez can play in this position, this position, this position, you've got Geffen Jones who can play a couple of positions, uh, it kind of makes more sense then. And I think that's that's possibly, a, a, you know, we we said with Kieran Sadlier, it's, um, it can kind of be a hindrance if you are a, a player that can play in quite a few positions you can't nail down one position you know Rico Santos is both and centre half Deion Charles is both and striker we we know those positions whereas if you're a player who can play in a few you, you might not necessarily nail down one position because you could do that for a week and then be asked to do something else so there's there's you know pros and cons to all of that but I, I do think it's when you've got players that can play multiple positions it does then mean that you I guess you know, when when we're looking to January and we're thinking if Bolton are, are looking just to get that extra one or two players just to get us over the line, then I guess you if you've got other players that can play in multiple zip positions, that's a good thing because then you can pinpoint certain areas. Whereas if they were Bolton had players who could just play in one position, then maybe you'd be looking at bringing in six or seven players to to add to those positions. Yeah, I think it's a fair point. And we spoke about this last week, didn't we? And I think the lads at Derby were saying the same thing, that they, they seem to have left some space in the squad because to to put all your eggs in one basket, to to, to maybe go into that win, summer window and, and max out your squad, max out your budget, and then find yourself in a position in January, oh, oh crap, you know, we need another striker or so-and-so hasn't worked or this, you know, the, the, the results haven't been good and... and Bolton aren't up the top end of the table as they wish to be. Then suddenly, you know, you're having to get rid of players. There's a lot more business going on than you want. So theoretically, and this is theoretically, and of course this precludes the idea that there'd be a big injury crisis because, you know, if there is or if certain players get injured, yes, there are going to be problems. But so Bolton go into January with this squad at the top of the table, top end of the table. Maybe they push the boat out and, and buy a couple of players who they feel can go and play championship football because they are probably more secure financially feeling that they're going to be playing or they have a very good shot of playing championship football. So maybe they push the boat out in that. If they were to have done that at the start of the season, the gamble is, is much greater and obviously they're paying for said player uh, for the first six months of the year as well. So, you know, they're all calculated gambles, aren't they? And uh, I, I kind of understand that, that theory we we'd all love to have a huge great squad depth in every single position 
Um, I'm not sure it necessarily works like that in League One. Maybe you could even argue that's how you get yourself into trouble. But um, who knows? Who knows? Uh, should, we, uh, should we move on? Yeah, well, this kind of links to what we've just been talking about. And they've said that, um, you know, we kind of want more from our substitutes uh, and our replacements for the, the defined first 11, if you will. Um, maybe we're looking at the guys who are playing up front who are coming in for Adebayo and Charles or other areas as well. Um, I mean, what do you think of the, the players that are kind of the, um, you know, the replacements, if you will? Because we've seen a bit of a change from the team that, started the season to uh, the team who are playing now. One or two bodies, you think, like, Thomason's coming in a bit more, Morley's maybe coming out a bit more. Um, what do you think of, of the squad and the players that are coming in for that first eleven? Well, I think when you've got the squad and it's 18 men, or, or you know, basically, the, there's not too many decisions that have to be made to, to name your, your matchday squad. And it means that everybody's got a chance. You're keeping the competition very high there. You mentioned Morley. Yes, he has dropped out, but he came back in. I thought he played really well in the Cup as well. So I think he's really knocking on the door again to come and play against Reading in, in that type of game. But uh, the point Ian Everett made was that, that it's not substitutes anymore. It's finishers. And they're kind of trying to ramp up the idea of being on the bench and yet still having a very big point and a big uh, big part to play. Um you know, substitutes often get, well, they fall into two camps, don't they? You either see out the game or you get sent on to try and save the game. Um, otherwise, it's pointless. You're just doing it for the sake of doing it. And, and I think against Derby, the substitutes were criticised, but I think they were, they, they were made basically to save the game more than anything else in terms of preserve the three points. I think they sent on their best aerial players to, to make sure that when those crosses came in the last five minutes, they were heading away. And poor old Cameron Jerome, as a striker, pretty much played centre-half for the last 10 minutes. Um, what Bolton have not done well enough, in my opinion, is when they're in a commanding position, when they're dominant in a game, bringing on these players, the Bud Farsons, the Unlundaloos, Jerome's, you know, any, any of the attacking players, and then gone and, you know, taken it up a level again and, and scored those extra goals or, or made games completely safe. Um, I think there are, you know, I wouldn't say concerns there, but that is definitely an area for improvement for Bolton. That, that the impact of those attacking substitutes in particular can be greater. They're better players. And, I think that's probably what the manager's getting at here, with that he's, he's trying to kind of stir up and, and motivate the players that that are on the bench at the start of games. Um, and, you know, other than what we saw, maybe I think it was Thomason came on and he, and he played a great pass, was it the opening day against Lincoln, I think. Yeah. That was one example I can think of. Uh, Matheson as well off the bench against Salford. That's the kind of attitude you want. You want somebody coming off the bench and like, listen, I'm going to use this 15 minutes as best as I possibly can do. Um, I don't think that has been the case every single time. I don't know what you think. Um, yeah, I think I think it's been difficult as well. I think part of the, the point that Ian Everett, and he's made this point as well, um, he made it after the Salford game, is that in a lot of games, in a lot of Bolton's wins, they have actually... <clears throat> they have actually um, won the game in the first half. Mm. 
or early on in the, the second half, you know, we've been two or three goals up and then it must be difficult for like the, the finishers, as he calls them, to come on when it's that type of game where it's it's kind of over. And I think he's made the point that he would like to see Bolton, rather than declare at 3-0, kind of go on and try and win 4-5-6-0. So maybe that's more of a point he's trying to make because other than... You know, the Derby game was a bit of an anomaly because, it, it, you know, the way it panned out, we got the second goal. And, and yeah, I would, as a fan, I was thinking at that point, we can get three or four here, we can tire them out. And it just didn't happen. And we would ending up kind of hanging on in a way. But I don't think Derby necessarily were peppering our goal. Um, the Wigan game was, you know, was, was what it was. And it was, we were the opposite end of, of that. And probably he looked at what Wigan did and got 3-0 up and then scored that fourth and could have scored five or six. And we're thinking, well, why aren't we doing that in the games we've won? So, yeah, I think it's it's been difficult for the players to come on. But, you know, I think in that situation mainly, you know, and I know that some of our strikers are getting a bit of a hard time at the moment. But for me, those are the players that are coming on at 3-0, fresh legs. And think, I'm thinking, well, you know, we've got, Charles and Adebayo has scored four and four each or four and five each or whatever. Yet we've not had another striker score a goal in the league. So I'm kind of like, well, I'm looking at them and thinking, well, why aren't we pushing on? Why aren't we winning four or five, six nil? And that's possibly what Ian Everett's trying to get at. It takes it takes everybody, doesn't it? I mean, it's not just the strikers necessarily coming on and, and changing that game. The players who are on the pitch who have been very comfortable for the last 30, 40 minutes also have to give them a chance, I suppose. I, I, I get that point. But uh, no, it's interesting. It's interesting. And every time uh, Ian Everts or you say finishers, not substitutes, I can only think of Mortal Kombat and that guy that finish him. And then he used to like send that spear through his heart and then grab his heart out like those. Do you remember that? Is Mortal Kombat beyond? Did people still play that now? Uh, no, it's yeah. It was a bit before my time, but I do I do know what you're on about. I uh, I remember playing play ever playing that or a version of that in uh, I don't know Mega Bowl in the arcade bit <laughs> when I was a kid. It was finish him, and they used to they used to like a death move that you used to be able to do with like a sequence of buttons um, <laughs> back on my old Super Nintendo. Uh, yeah. Anyway, anyway, I digress. Let's have another headline. <laughs> um. Well, the I was trying to think of a pun on Super Nintendo and Dion Charles. Can't think of one. It's ten o'clock in the morning as we record this. Uh, answers on a postcard if you've got one. Um, but he's going to want to finish more of his chances. Let's just use that for now. Uh, he got his magic twenty goals um, last season, and he now wants to better that and get a an amount of goals that no one's going to catch for another 20 years at Bolton. Um, he's certainly got confidence, isn't he, which is what you need from a striker. Yeah, I think it's motivation with Dion. I, I just, I think he goes through life just really peeved <laughs> that, that anybody <laughs> should doubt him for anything. And, and that kind of drives him. Um, you know, we've said it lots of times. He's got that spikiness about him that the good strikers have. And I, I, I do like, I like the lad. Um, he was in good form speaking to uh, to Pete, um, which is where this interview came from at the club. And um, yeah, I think the idea that he could set a total that somebody's going to struggle to match for another 20 years is very appealing. Um, I'm not too sure I want to be writing that statistic for the next 20 years as I did with Michael Ricketts. That, that really got on my nerves. But um, yeah, I, I mean, he's well capable. He's got five already. 
in seven games. Um, so only the, what, 39 league games to go and then a couple of cup games as well thrown in for good measure. I think uh, there's every chance that he might get to that 20 goal mark again. Um, the, the question is, can another player, and Ian Everett mentioned this one before the international break that both both Dion and Victor Adebayo have, have, have had the sort of start that gives them a chance of getting to that. And and how many teams can you think of that have had two 20 goal a season strikers? Very few, very few. Very and few, yeah. We're, we're going we're going back to Bolton, even Bolton teams. You're going back to De Blake and and McGinley or or Walker and McGinley. They're the only sort of teams that that seem to ever manage that. It seems to be something that happened in a bygone age now. So. Yeah, I, I hope they both carry on scoring, but particularly Dion. I think he's made for it. I think his game, his overall game, has stepped up a level this season, hasn't it? Yeah, I think uh, he, you know because he mentioned in the at the start of the season, he'd been working on his one on ones uh, with Nathan Baxter, and I yeah. think that was part of his game that needed. You know, he is a fox in the box. I think uh, I think of the Oxford goal at, at Oxford where it dropped to him. And, and it, very similar, actually, the goal he scored against Middlesbrough this year. But um, I think sometimes when he's got that one-on-one, he, he last season, he you know, he wouldn't put it away where this season he's, he's already scored that type of goal against Cheltenham. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, I think he's if he can add to his game, then um, you know, I think this is it. Is that with Dion? Dion wants to play in the championship. He's he's confident enough to do that. And I think uh, if he's going to play there with Bolton Wanderers, if he scores thirty goals, and someone like Adebayo can can get at least fifteen or maybe twenty himself, you've you've already then got nearly fifty goals. So you'd presume that Bolton will be at the top of the table. Let's have another headline. Uh, yeah, so this is uh, just a bit of a catch-up headline, really, but on uh, a former Bolton player, um, Stephen Darby's obviously had, um, you know, his, his issues with MND, and he, he's got a great cause that he, uh, you know, he, he raises money for it for, and uh, he's had a lot of help from from Bolton and Bradford as well. You see a lot on social media. Uh, it's five years now since his diagnosis, and he's uh, he's vowed to fight on, which is you wouldn't expect anything less, would you? No, not at all. I mean, he sent uh, a lovely message out uh, via his charity's website. And um, I mean, five years, incredible. And, and you know, when you look at the life expectancy of somebody who has M&D, it's, it's not very often they even get to five years. But, you know, Darbs has um, fought it. He's... Uh, he's, he's raised more than a million pounds now, 1.2 million pounds, in fact, uh, for research into the disease and, and to, to help people um, who are who are suffering with it as well. He's done such a lot of good. And, you know, it, I just take my cap off to him. I, w- I wanted to make sure we, we acknowledged it uh, because you can get quite blasé about these sort of things and these charities just sort of plough on in the background. But I think every once in a while it's worth just standing up and applauding the, uh, the work they do and, and what they, ha- what they're trying to achieve because it's a, uh, it's a dreadful, dreadful um, illness. And uh, one can only hope that one day they can, uh, they can find the root cause or find, find a way to, 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 to treat it because um, it's only going to happen with, with, you know the money people raise and and for uh, raising awareness of it and and raising the the profile of charities like uh, the Derby Rimmer Foundation. So 
Uh, keep fighting Dobbs and, uh, you know, fingers crossed, uh, one day they do find uh, a cure for it. Yeah, exactly. And it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's not fair on anyone, but it, it really isn't fair, is it, when you've got uh, someone who is uh, probably at the peak of their physical fitness, as you'd yeah. expect from a footballer. And it's, 29 uh, years, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and something like this happens. And, um, you know, I, I yeah, he, he obviously... I mean, his his career has come second nature to obviously this, but it's such a shame from a, a Bolton point of view that we never saw Stephen Darby. We never really saw him in a Bolton shirt because it it kind of happened um, not, not properly. I think I think looking no. back, I think you could you could probably say that that it it would be likely that some of the problems that he had that eventually did flag up it were evident beforehand and so that he probably wasn't at 100% even when he signed for the club. Mm. Um, you know, Phil Parkinson knew him extremely well from his days at Bradford and all that kind of stuff. So he wanted him on board even as even as a pure character. But um, no, I don't think Bolton ever saw the best of him as a player and obviously he had to take that decision in the end. But um, very, very sad. But, you know, it, it just goes to show sometimes, you know, when life gives you lemons, you you make lemonade and, and, you know, he has done everything he possibly can from virtually the first few weeks that, that he got told about that to make the best, the best possible. And I know Steph is uh, his wife, um, obviously a, a very fine footballer in her own right. She's supported him all the way. Um, lots and lots of people, all his old clubs, um, and a lot of a lot of friends that he had in football have supported him as well. Um, and long may that continue. Yes, exactly. Uh, right. The last headline is headlines that you created. I guess it was a, a Q and A that you uh, you. Uh, I mean, I, I, I credit to you, Mark, and we'll look back at transfer deadline day for this when there's not much going on uh, with Bolton Wanderers. You do like to find your own bit of content. Um, <laughs> So uh, yeah, you put out a, uh, a request for questions and did a Q and A. Um, yeah. So I've had a listen to it, but for anyone who hasn't yet, you can still listen in on the Bolton News website. But um, before we, uh, before you switch this off and go and listen for yourself, what kind of nuggets did you get? What what were the highlighted questions? Well, yeah, I'm hoping actually we can make this a regular thing. I don't think it necessarily needs to be something that fills space. Albeit that was my idea this time around. I think it it. It's nice sometimes um, on this podcast to be able to, you know, elaborate on on certain things and and bits and bobs that people email in that that maybe we don't think about or maybe I haven't done a story about, but people are still talking about. Um, And that's what happened this time. You know, people emailed in about talking about the the former owner, for example, and and a couple of uh, points that were made on him. Um, about you know how he portrays Bolton Wanderers, whether he keeps in touch with Bolton Wanderers or looks out for their results, um, and so we had a a bit of a chat about that um, uh, and and why he may not have talked on the record, whether there's NDAs in place, which there definitely are. Um, weirdly enough, and I'll say this, um, I'll well I'll say it completely honestly. On the back of that, he's actually been in touch with me again. Um, pretty much backing up everything I said, saying, you know, he does, yes, he does uh, keep in touch with um, Bolton Wanderers. He does look out for the results. He is happy to see them uh, going back in the right direction. And I may even say this is a world exclusive. There is a an element of regret there with how it panned out. So, hey, you know, <laughs> who knows? Once those NDAs have, uh, have, have, 
have uh, expired. Who knows what might get said? But um, yeah, uh, I had a, a brief um, brief exchange um, with a couple of messages, and and uh, yeah, I think he's he's hoping Bolton Wanderers and uh, Football Ventures do well in the future. I think so. Hey, if, if nothing else, that came of that Q&A, but lots of other stuff as well. Um, uh, you know, talking about the chances of signing out of contract players, which I think is is pretty minimal um, for reasons I explain on the on the Q&A. Um, somebody even asked me about whether or not there was any chance of the Reebok Rebels coming back or even better, um, a, a male version of the Reebok Rebels, the Tough Sheet Titans, which I know you're. You're quite interested in, in being the uh, chief cheerleader in the Tough Sheet Titans, I understand, Henry. Hey, get, if you get me a free ticket to, to the match, then I'll do anything, to be honest. Um, <laughs> Could you imagine yeah. them billing the Tough Sheet Titans and me and thee running out with tops off? And, and <laughs> can you imagine the, the, the reign of terror that that would actually ensue? <laughs> yeah, we'd have to do it. Um, we'd have to do it coming out of the uh, away tunnel um just before just before the the opposition come out for the second half and i think that will uh, that will fry something a little bit but i know I, i'm i'm just getting my dad bod i guess as a prepare to become a dad you've had many years of developing yours i don't think uh the people of bolton deserve uh deserve to see us but hey if there's i don't know the magic mics of uh, of bolton who want to get involved in that it's it's 2023 anything can happen Hey, listen, when we first came up with this podcast, uh, the Buff Podcast, the idea was that we were going to have the front page, right, the, the main graphic of this uh, podcast was going to be uh, myself and the other co-host, who we don't like to mention, but his name was Tom. <laughs> um, both of us were going to sit there, um, be photoed in the Bolton FM studio with our kit off, um, and, and you know, faking a, a podcast or be talking into a microphone. Now, I was all up for it, and I was like, hey, straight. I sat sat down. Sorry, sorry, Bolton FM, if you've sat in that seat before now. But, yeah, I was there, but Tom was not having it at all. He was not having it. There are some pictures somewhere. Um, they probably get, you know, when, when I... Um, when I shuffle off this mortal coil and they write some sort of obit about me, I hope they use those pictures. That, <laughs> that would be that would be perfect. As someone who would probably attend your funeral, Mark, I uh, I hope they don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they they'll go towards a colour piece anyway. Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. Um, it, yeah, it was. It was an interesting photo shoot, and again, I apologise uh, for them having to burn that chair. Okay, so it's uh, it's been a while since we talked or thought about fantasy football. Um, how many how many weeks do you think it'll take us to get bored this year? Oh, I'm already bored now, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> we I haven't even done with... the first sting. No, I know, but I think the thing with fantasy football is, is that I mean, if you everyone just has Harland and sticks him as captain, because if you don't, then you're already going to be like twenty points down. So it's kind of like a best of the rest. Um, but you know, I'm I'm changing. I have changed my team. Oh, no, actually, there's one week where I forgot to change my team. So uh, one week in five, is it? So, yeah, not a great start. But, uh, you know, September's my month. I know I've got a good feeling. Got a feeling in my water. Well, let's just check on the Fancy Football League.
I didn't even know whether to do the league this season, but we got loads and loads of people asking me, where's the code, where's the code, where's the code? And mm-hmm. I thought, right, I'll just press the button and we'll, we, we might even ignore it a bit because last season, neither me nor you did very well. Um, I finished like mid-table, you finished lower than that, let's put it that way. <laughs> yeah. um, but this year, we've actually managed to get even more teams. Um, shout out to Saf Patel, by the way, whose team is currently 330th. So there are even more teams in the Buff League this year without us even publicising it. Um, and just to let you, just a quick update on how the tables go in. I am 60th um, on 256 points you are 184th on 233 points top of the table is uh, careless whisper harry crossland 305 nice. uh, second stephen irish is the irish dancers pretty straightforward 296 uh ross mitten's line of duty flying the flag for the buff i think uh in third place 291 um and fourth is barbecue chicken ben gocha 288 barbecue chicken I mean, whatever. Okay. Um, yeah, well, good luck to everybody who's playing it, of course. And we will check in from time to time. But unless I get into the top 20 and can start getting a bit excited about it, I think it's unlikely it's going to be a weekly segment. Let's put it that way. I'll, I'll save you that, Henry. Well, I'm just looking now. The top 20 is 270 points. And if I scroll down to 184, which puts me at mid-table... I'm at 233. So, you know, if I have a good September, I might creep up. If you creep up, feel free to, to prod me and say, let's make sure we get fantasy football in. Um, but uh, yes, we'll, we'll keep a check on it. It seems it seems remiss of me not to, really. Um, so, yeah, good luck to everybody this weekend. But anyway, let's move on. Okay, let's move on to some emails. Is that Philip Moresh? Thanks very much, Phil. Uh, yeah, uh, I held about half a dozen emails back last week to make sure we had plenty to talk about. And as usual, we've talked about plenty and Reading have given us loads more to talk about. So we'll get through as many as we can do. We'll rattle on. Um, are you ready, Henry? Yeah, let's go. Dear Mark and Henry, can you give us any update with what's happening on the digital revamp that you wrote about a few months ago? I sincerely hope that the tiny little screen in the corner is not the only change we're going to see after so much fuss was made of it. What happened to all that bond money? I could rent a bigger TV than from uh, I could rent a bigger TV than that from Radio Rentals, says Chris M. So, have you seen uh, the little TV? <laughs> um. Yeah, I, I I thought it was just a board to have um, to have like a, an advert on it. I, I didn't know whether it was the, the actual uh, big screen or not. Yeah, I. It looks like one of those ones that you can buy from B and M bargains that you can put your own messages on, like uh, "Remember Butter" or that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah. um, it's not spectacular. I'm sure once it's lit up, it will look great, uh, but. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I I potentially expected something bigger, but hey, what, what who am I to who am I to say? They'll have two screens um, operating uh, by the Peterborough game. I'm told uh, they're on course for everything to be done. The LED ribbons, the middle level ribbons, as they're called. So you're gonna have like two sets of advertising. 
um, which is all going to be synced and all jazzy and electric. Um, apparently, uh, by by the middle uh, by the Peter game, which I think is the twenty third. So uh, hopefully, hopefully, I mean, do, do you care, Henry? I mean, the football's great. So why are we worried about the fact that they, there isn't a second screen? I'm, I'm I'm getting a bit bored of it. Um, I actually do care quite. I, this, oh, right, these okay. little, no, but these little, um, little kind of things, the way the stadium looks and whatever is actually something I care about. Ironically, the, um, I care about the team Ian Everett picks, but the tactics and people talking about, oh, he needs to, uh, you know, have a defensive midfielder in, or he needs to do this kind of like put more long balls in, is is not something that I'm. You know, I'm not a put it this way when I play football manager, I leave all that to the assistant manager and just pick the team and make the transfers. Um, and then uh, upgrade the stadium as uh, (laughs) as we know now. Um, but so yeah, these little little tidbits around and and I I do care about, but um, I'm probably gonna make my judgment after I've seen it. I think, um, you know, you don't know. Okay, they can, whether it is a TV or whatever it is, that could be part of a... It, that could be it, or it could be part of something else. We don't know. Um, I'm looking forward to getting it when it's all up and running. I was never a fan of the sort of mobile phone version of uh, of the, the screen that they've had for the last four or five years. Um, I don't think it really works well. You want a, a screen that's going to have highlights on it and stuff like that, and that doesn't really work. So, uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to seeing how it looks, and hopefully it'll look good because, um, I mean, the, the mid-level advertising is just what everyone's doing now, and I guess it can it, it can get you more money, I guess. I guess they sure can say that yeah. more people can read it now, so we're the top tiers, but... Um, but, yeah, I'll, I'll leave my judgment until it's there, but I am... I'm a bit disappointed it's not been there already. They've obviously had issues with it, so it wasn't in for the Derby game. But, uh, I'm, yeah, hopefully it can be there for the Peterborough game and we can all uh, judge it then. Well, I'm I'm quite happy they've got that, that screen where it is, even if it is that little one, because I can see it. Because the, the mobile phone one, as we call it, that is behind the gantry. As I, from, from my seat in the press box, I can't see that. I have to crane my head like, round some stairs to be able to see what how you know how long's left or or anything on that sort of one so uh, that's a bit of a godsend really um yeah look to each their own we all like different details don't we you're talking to somebody who had a poll to name some pigeons that are found in the press box do <laughs> does that really matter in the grand scheme of things of course it bloody doesn't so uh yes um i don't want to throw any stones on that front um let's let's go on to an even more upbeat email <laughs> um dear mark and henry says alan b i listen to your podcast most weeks and think you do a good job of treading a line between covering the headlines and the stories of the week and putting your own opinions in even when i don't agree with them i know you're both very pro ian Everett, so you might not like what i've got to say next uh-oh um i don't like to think Sorry, I don't think this manager or the way his team plays football is going to get Bolton Wanderers anywhere. I keep hearing how this is the best things since sliced bread, but the pa- passing for passing sake bores me. And I know it is the way Manchester City and Pep does it, but it doesn't mean that we have to do it that way. I watch England and Gareth Southgate is doing exactly the same thing. You pass and pass, you play it safe, but nobody wants to shoot. Nobody wants to attack the ball when it is in the penalty box. Uh, the passion has gone out the game because we're all trying to copy Manchester City who have millions and millions to spend. 
Why in January did we not sign another striker? I shouldn't laugh. Why in January did we not sign another striker? If something happens to Dion Charles, then it is a mid-table team. Mark my words. I know you probably won't read this letter out because it's critical of your best mate. But I hope when we have another year of playing against Burton Albion and Cheltenham Town that you'll remember I said it and that I can say I told you so. Alan B, thank you very much. Um, well, it's a lot to digest there, Henry. Yeah, my, um, I have, you know, thanks for the, the email. Um, I, my points I want to make straight away is that I've never met Ian Everett, so he's not my best mate. Um, and also, uh, Burton and Cheltenham could easily go down, so we might not be playing them next season anyway. That's the but, type of pedantry that we really need on this <laughs> podcast. <laughs> uh, but to be fair to Alan, I do I hundred percent agree with what he said about Dion Charles. I think um, we saw against Wigan when we don't have him. I know we didn't have him against Salford, but I think that was different. Um, when Dion isn't playing, I think it does hinder us. Um, so I will agree with that. Uh, whether it. I think for me, Adebayo, yes, has scored goals. I think um, it's it's if if Lundelu had scored four already and Bodvarsson had been fit and scored and Jerome had scored, I guess it wouldn't be an issue. But I think the fact that our finishers, as Ian Everett uh, puts it, haven't finished, then um, yeah, that that becomes more of an issue. Uh, but yeah, I, I I guess it's just everyone's opinion. You know, there's a lot of people that sit around me in the North Stand Lower who were, uh, uh, you know, they have a uh, an aneurysm when they see Baxter pass the ball out to the defence, and uh, you know, and, and it it seems we do that where uh, he passes it to Thomason or Sheehan, who then passes it to the fullback position, um. And people just want to see him get the ball got up to the striker. I think um, I, I don't know. I think for me, I quite like it. I like the way we play. I think it's a lot better than what we've seen under other uh, managers who have who've managed Bolton. But it's just opinions. Um, of course, it's, you know, the, the bottom line is you sit there and, and it really only matters whether the ball ends up in the net more times than the opposition. I mean, ultimately, I sat there, you know, through Owen Coyle ball, Friedman ball, Sam ball, Sammy Lee ball, Everett ball, you know, Lennon ball, every single type of ball that we had, Keith Hill ball even. Um, so I, I've watched I've watched all of that. I don't think I've ever got particularly wound up about things. And I know I'm in a different position than people that are paying for the, you know, paying to, to get in there and, and to voice their opinion. Um, but ultimately, don't we just get satisfaction from the end result, really. I mean, you know, Phil Parkinson's football was was dreadful from a kind of purist's point of view. But when they were beating Gillingham 4-0 or Peterborough, you know, 3-0 on the last day of the season, get promotion, etc., nobody really cared. It was only about the journey. It, it, you know, and I don't think, really, you can have too many complaints with the way the team is is performing when they're second in the table. I, I don't, I, I just don't see, I, I don't see how you can get too wound up about this sort of thing. That's it's, Maybe that's just me. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I think, you know, I, I agree with what you're saying there. I think context is, is important. We are second in the league and I would rather be second playing in what I perceive to be entertaining football and uh, us on the, you know, attacking more and having more possession rather than 
sitting back, having 20% of the possession and um, finishing top as well, which I know some people will laugh at, but uh, let's face it, deep down, no one really remembers who wins the league in a few years, who remembers League One. You only remember who wins the Premier League. So I would rather get promoted playing um, what I perceive to be entertaining football rather than not. But um, I'd rather yeah, finish it, top it, and, and play no football, by the way, but... It'd be lovely if you could play football and finish top as well. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, it's like I say, it's, it's everyone's opinion. There's a lot of people that sit around me who, who have a similar opinion to Alan and you you respect that. But uh, for me personally, I I like the way we play. I think it's the best kind of football we've played for a long time, probably under until under Owen Coyle. Um, I'm enjoying watching Bolton the most. I've enjoyed us since again, that half a season under Owen Coyle because we're winning most weeks. We're having most of the play. I can see why they're doing what they're doing. He's, he's explained it's to uh, to tire teams out. I can see that even though, yeah, you know, against Derby when they'd just gone down to 10 men and we're passing the ball around the penalty area, that was frustrating. I was frustrated as well. But I, I do, I also agree with him with having shots. I think more players need to be braver, especially when they're getting the ball on the edge of the area. I think there's some times where you're looking to think, just have a shot, you know, rather than, uh, I think it was, was it Santos and Thomason against Derby? You got under each other's feet because none of them yes, wanted to yeah. shoot. I, yeah. I 100% agree with that. That annoys me as well. But the rest of it, I, I do like watching us. I do like it. So, uh, yeah. So there's bits of that email I agree with and there's bits that I don't. But, um, but yeah, uh, I, I quite liked it. Well, yeah, if, if anyone else doesn't like what we're talking about, feel free to email in and we'll discuss it. Absolutely, absolutely. This isn't uh, this isn't Pravda. You can do what you like. It doesn't bo- doesn't bother me. Um, right, a third one from uh, Tony T, who's a friend of the show. Uh, dear Mark and Henry, as it's international break, I thought you might need a talking point for this week's podcast, and I'm setting you both a challenge. Do you remember the TV show Quantum Leap? I do. It was one of my faves. Um, well, if you could do a Sam Beckett and leap into the body of any former Bolton Wanderers player, member or a member of staff or opponent, who would it be? And would you do something to change history, or would you just have a good laugh? Uh, to give you the example I've just discussed with my son, I'd either swap places with one of the fans behind the goal for Aaron Wilbraham's goal against Nottingham Forest. Or I'd swap places with whoever was in charge of Cardiff when they paid Megabucks to sign Gary Medine. Hey, he's getting another mention, by the way. Um, yeah. I'd pull out of the deal at the last minute and take a photo of Name Redacted's face. Uh, take care and love the podcast. So, um, right. I mean, that's that's a really good question. It, I, I would love to hear other people's view on this one. So it's a quantum leap scenario where you could... You can leap into the body of anybody connected with Bolton Wanderers, can be in a position player as well. Um, so, for example, uh, you could leap into Dean Holdsworth's body at Wembley and make him finish that, oh, that chance. Yeah. Although, would I have the technical prowess to be able to do that? I mean, it's easy to say that, but actually, if you got me in that position, I wouldn't have gone as close as Holdsworth did. Um so maybe not. Uh, would you would you go back to the would you go back to the fifties or even the twenties when Wanderers were absolutely dominant and and go and watch them at Wembley winning the the FA Cup three times? Um, it's a good question, isn't it? Any thoughts? It is. Um, I'd like to say that I was one of the fans behind the goal for Wilbraham's goal against Nottingham Forest. So if he wants to go into my body, is uh, he's more than welcome. Um, but. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> Sorry, I just took that sentence in isolation. Um, <laughs> Out of context, both. One of the most cordial come on lines I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> but anyway. We are very polite here on the buff, even though we are naked. Um, <laughs> uh, what would I, I. To be honest, in terms of going into someone's body who, who works at the club, I, I probably. Yeah, the Holdsworth chance I would. Uh, I'd, I'd, I think it's one of those sometimes when the chances are missed, you kind of think, oh, I'll, I'll finish it then. Mm-hmm. You know, like, and then, so I'll jump in because uh, I was in the, the, the crowd at Wembley that day. So I would, I even though I was nine years old, or was I 10? No, nine years old. I'll, I'll jump into Holdsworth Body, finish it, and then go back into my own in the crowd. Um, you know, I, I don't think I'd like to be one of the players. I, I quite like... Um, you know, I, I know that some people love to, to meet the players and want to be best mates with them. I, I actually don't want to meet them, to be honest, because I, 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 I like there being that sort of barrier between... And it's like before, you know, Ian Everett's our best mate. He's, I've never met the guy. I've been in the same room as him, but I've never met him. I don't particularly want to know him because then it's... it it's is that right. the barriers. No, yeah, he seems <laughs> all right, but it's, it's the barriers then gone if you yeah. know someone personally. So... Uh, I wouldn't necessarily like to be one of the players, but saying that, I, I think I'd I'd like to be Ted the kit man. I saw his uh, day in the life of Ted on the the club's website um, the other day. I, I you know I quite like that that sort of where you you are on the inside, but not one of the players. Um, maybe swap bodies with him. Um, but uh, I, I, I like the idea of here, here's one for you. You can swap swap bodies with uh, with Lawrence Bassini. Uh, Lawrence oh, no. gets out I've of his seen his car. I've go. seen gets, his body. I don't want that. <laughs> he gets out of his car. He walks in. The first time that we ever saw him uh, on Bolton property, uh, he was wearing uh, shoes with no socks. I'll, I remember that. Me and James uh, from Sky Sports uh, were racing around the stadium trying to find where, where his car was going to be parking. Um, so he walks in. No, I, I would like you to jump in at that point in time. He'd be like, look down. Ah, I didn't put any socks on. I'm going to go back, walk back into the car, drive off and never turn up again. Can you imagine how better life would have been if just that simple thing would have happened? Uh, we've come out, like, uh, as you said, against uh, for our farmer owner, um, we, we have, we've come out the other side, Mark. Now. So whatever happened in that era um, has happened, but we're, we're out the other side. Um, here's, here's another one for you, right? So Henry, Henry uh, magics himself into Dougie Friedman's body um, on the last day of the season. He's just about put his team sheet in. And then he goes, I'm going to sorry, referee. I'm just going to, just going to swap that. Rob Hall crosses the name out in a biro and then just like pencils in, I don't know, Liam Feeney or whoever, whoever it might have been at that point in time. Like, I'm just going to put somebody else in, swap that round. How would, how would, how would life have changed if that hadn't have happened? Mm, well, it could, I mean, knowing Bolton, we'd have lost. Knowing Bolton, <laughs> we'd have been, we, we actually would have been Leicester, wouldn't we? So we'd have had that Deeney goal in the semi-finals <laughs> against us. So it would have been, I know Craig Davis missing the penalty instead of uh, that Leicester player, but um, yeah, it's uh, yeah that's certainly one. To be honest, Marco, I, for me, I wouldn't necessarily swap bodies with a Bolton player. Maybe Ted the kit man, but other than that, he's got a great head of hair on him. Um, yes. But no uh, 
but I'd probably actually just swap bodies with someone who goes to um, every away game and then swap bodies back to my own at five o'clock so I don't have to travel. Um, I'm going. I've, I'm well prepared because I'm going to the game on Saturday. I'm well prepared for our whatever it is three hour journey down to Reading and back. Um, and if you if you ask me at five o'clock this even if Bolton win um, or lose, if you ask me, do you want to swap bodies with someone who's sat in your house right now? I would probably take that. So uh, yeah, that would be my answer. Is Someone can do all the travelling for me and then I'll swap bodies. They can watch it on iFollow and I'll, uh, sorry, Wondrous TV and I'll uh, I'll watch the match at the game and then swap back for the journey back. I'll tell you what I wouldn't do if I was swapping bodies with people who go to every single away game and that's swap bodies the morning after because hmm. there must be some king-size hangovers on those Sunday mornings when they come back. There, there's some, some serious ale drank on those trips. Anyway, anyway. Okay, time to think about Saturday and a return to action in League One. It's time to think about a stadium where nothing bad has ever happened. Ever, ever. It's Reading. Predictions. Pass us my crystal ball. What's happening next week? Prediction time. So, as you be aware by now, uh, Wanderers go to Reading and, uh, well, I mean, we, we all remember that game, of course, but uh, this time it's it's the Royals that are in the, the proper mess. Three-point penalty triggered this week. That means it's four points overall this season that's been taken off them uh, because their owner, Dai Young, I mean, Dai Young, uh, what a name. Um, he failed to deposit funds to cover wages. Uh, that means under his tutelage, they've lost 16 points in total, which is madness um, over the last few seasons. Um, so they're 21st now. Um, now, before me and Henry have a little chat about the game, uh, I did speak to James Earnshaw at the Reading Chronicle, and James was extremely critical about the way the club had been run and not especially optimistic about the future. Can you sum up in a nutshell exactly what's going on with, with your club at the minute? Yeah, well, it started in 2019. So we broke FFP, you know, considerably. We smashed FFP, to be honest, sort of by record amounts. So we were put under embargo and given uh, points deduction number one. Uh, so we got through that. You know, we all thought we were FFP, we were clear. Um, and then the owner just decided to stop paying wages um, or, or paying them late, um, which he did three times last season. Um, so we got a points deduction for that. Uh, and then they asked us to put one, two, five percent of the wages into a, a separate uh, account to cover it in case uh, something happens again. And he didn't do that. So that triggered the extra additional points. That's another four points this season. Uh, we've also missed or been late with four tax bills over the summer um, under an embargo till 2025. So that'll be six years without spending money on any players by that point. Uh, salary cap. And yeah, we've dropped from him taking us over when we were third in the championship and then one kick from the Premier League in the playoff final to, you know, staring League Two in the face. Um, it's, it's sad. Unfortunately, it's, it's just such a horribly familiar tale for, for Bolton. It, there's, mm. there's so many echoes there. I mean, we're talking, well, it's, it's about four months shy of a decade since Reading beat Bolton 7-1 um, with, with Alfie scoring a hat-trick. And, and that team had just come straight out of the Premier League. It looked like it was, it was quite well set to go back in. But it's just been such a horrible slow decline, hasn't it? 
Yeah, well, you know, we weren't particularly well run before this current owner. We've had, you know, we we, we had the Russian that had no money um, when we were in the Premier League. So, you know, we didn't really give that as good a go as we should have done when we were in there. Uh, then John Medesky had to come and bail us out of administration because he ran off with no money. Then they sold it to the Thais, who, you know, compared to this lot, seemed all right. They kind of put the money in and kept things ticking over. But then again, they kind of lost interest once they'd taken all the land around the ground and decided to... You know, that was their asset to redevelop. Um, and then sort of on the... It was announced at half-time of the playoff semi-final against Fulham um, that he'd taken over. It's just been sort of downhill ever since, other than sort of maybe a couple of blips. I mean, you can't deny he's put the money in. I mean, under him, we absolutely smashed FFP. We spent £7 million quid on Luca and £7 million on George Puskas and £5 million on Luca Zhao. Um, but as, you know, we'd kind of expected it, it all had been put in wrong. He'd been listening to the wrong advisors as to who to buy. Wages was silly money compared to what a club of our size should be offering. And when it didn't pay off and we didn't go up, he's evidently now just kind of lost interest now in League One. And, um, you know, it's kind of like watching a slow-mo car crash and you can't really get out of it or stop it. Everyone saw it was going to hit the fan at some point and uh, it's beginning to now. So, uh, things definitely not well with the Royals, Henry. Uh, But how does that situation affect the way Wanderers plan for this one, do you think? Well, it's like I said before, is that um, at the moment, you're just seeing little bits on social media of, of Reading fans saying, oh, let's bring tennis balls, disrupt the match. I think if that builds snowballs and builds up for the game and it looks like that's going to happen, Bolton need to get an early start and you need to, you need to start early, get in front, and then whatever happens after that can disrupt the game. It, it doesn't really matter apart from the fact that none of us will be getting home until midnight. Um, but um, I, I think for, for Bolton, yeah, we just go into it as a normal game. You know, it's it's a difficult one because for for us Bolton fans, we were, you know, fully understand they're not happy with the club. Reading are, um, you know, okay, just traditionally, I think in terms of history, they're not as big as Bolton Wanderers, but in terms of they've got a similar size stadium, obviously similar history with being in the Premier League and the Championship, um, playoff finals and all of that. And of course, one famous playoff final that they uh, they lost in. Um, well, I must, must remember to give that a mention. Yeah, good idea. Well, Bolton's Twitter, the guy, the person who was in charge of Bolton's Twitter account just before that 7-1 game <laughs> mentioned it as well. So yeah. maybe best not to. Um but uh, yeah, I, I think it's it's well understandable. But it, it, I think it just shows the position that we're in at the moment. And maybe any Reading fans listening to this can take hope that we were in a similar position, and now we're out the other side and and looking at a positive season to get back into the championship. But you know, I think the longer it goes on this season, you can see Reading only going one way, and unfortunately, that's down to League Two. And I think Bolton. I don't want to say we got lucky to get back to League One, but you know. Uh, Ducks kind of fell in order at that point and we, we got promoted. Whereas at the moment, you don't see that happening for Reading. So um, I, I said last week, I saw them against Cambridge. I thought they weren't very good at all. So Bolton need to take advantage of that. And I think we can. I think this this is a big game for us because the old Bolton would go there and lose 1-0 and Reading would get back in, you know, get the, get, to suddenly get the three points back. I think if the new Bolton are serious and professional I think we go there and win win two or three nil. Obviously the fans then will get on the, the back of the club and 
Uh, you know, I think we just see the game out. So uh, I, I think it'll be the latter. I do think we'll go and win. Uh, but uh, yeah, it, the longer it goes on, it might get quite difficult to do that. Yeah, I, I, I'm kind of caught betwixt and between because I know what you're saying about getting that early goal and turning the crowd, uh, potentially running the risk of, of all sorts of problems. But I think with a young team, if Bolton can control the game, that's the most important thing because they're going to be... There's only one way Reading are going to win, and that's with kind of the exuberance of youth and, and, and you know, hoping to get the crowd on, on their side. So the longer Bolton control it and wear them down and, and, and make them nervous, I think that's the best way in. Um, I do think Bolton win this game. I do think Bolton win this game. I think coming off the back of the Derby results, the Salford win, decent international break... Yeah, a couple of question marks on Dion Charles, whether or not he's he's, he's maybe travelled a bit too much. We'll probably, I mean, I've not spoken to Ian Everett yet today, but I'm sure Ian Everett will have his two penneth worth on, on, on what physical condition he's in. Same with Josh Sheehan. Um, but I, I think I think Bolton have got enough in their arsenal to go there and score a couple of goals. I, I still think they win this game 2-0. Um, and, and fairly comfortable at that. It's a good a good time to play them. That's the that's the death knoll, isn't it? If I say that, that'll get replayed. Uh, I do think it's a good time to play Reading. Um, just as when Bolton's fans were crusading against who shall not be mentioned, when West Brom came, they didn't have to play particularly well uh, against Bolton. They just had to get themselves on the score sheet and the rest took, took care of itself. So I think that's that's the kind of game it is. They just need to control it, really. Uh, yeah, and I, I think we will do. I think we'll control the game, no doubt, but it's about whether we can break them down. But I, I do, yeah, I, I I worry for Reading this year. If, if things don't change there, I, I do worry for them. So I think we will uh, go there and, and show show what we're made of. And I think we'll end up then top of the league. So uh, it could be a very good weekend for us. A good weekend for you. It's your last your last away trip as well before the young gun turns you into a completely different type of Bolton Wanderers fan, one who never ventures outside the confines of his own house. <laughs> yeah. Wanderers TV will be my best mate. Um yeah, I said dinner. I've I've got one one long away trip left in before the baby's here and uh I've been to well, Port Bale's not a long away trip, is it? So no. uh I, I my what my wife has said, I said if I want to go to Watch Bolton at Port Vale. I'm, she, she's happy for me to do so, but um, I mean that would be a trip to Burslem, which I uh, I um, nobody nobody I, yeah, really might, wants to make that do that. No, I, I might just stay at home and uh, and listen to uh, Jack Dearden on the radio. But um, but no, it's uh, I'm looking forward to it. Never been to Reading's ground. Um, I I think Reading's ground for me. And if there's any Reading fans listening, I, this is no disrespect meant at all. But I think when you look at the new stadiums. Reading's ground for me falls in the sort of Cardiff and Southampton, that sort of Leicester, that that sort of tissue box sort of bowl that became popular. Whereas Bolton's, I think, has a bit of personality to it. So uh, I'm glad we've got our ground. Um, but I am looking forward to visiting it. I've never been to Reading, so I'm looking forward to seeing the delights of, of, uh, of Royal Berkshire. It's a decent place to work. They used to have a vending machine where just outside the press box where you could nip in and get uh, a tea or a coffee of, uh, really quickly during the game sometimes. I remember during that 7-1, just I, I kind of lost my my head a little bit. I, I was giggling all the way through. I was just like, I cannot believe what I'm seeing and going and getting myself a, a hot chocolate to uh, to calm down. Um, 
but yes, it's it's a it's reasonable. It's a reasonable place. I mean, it's nothing nothing spectacular, but uh, it'd be nice to go back and see a, see if a few of the old lads I, I go back quite uh, quite far with some of the Reading guys. So it'd be nice to see them again. Um, okay, so before we do wrap up this episode, I've just got to give a a quick plug for a new book coming out, and it's from the guys and gals at uh, Football Weekly. Uh, which is a, a marginally more successful podcast, I think, than the buff. Only marginally, though, I think, but in the latest figures. Um, Just a bit. They're, they're doing all right, I hear. They're doing okay. Uh, <laughs> Max Rushton, Barry Glendinning, Barney Roney, Jonathan Wilson, Jonathan Liu, blah, 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 Nikki, Nikki Bandini, the, the whole load of them. Um, it's a really good book. I've, it's, it's like a, an old-fashioned football annual, like shoot or match or something. So I guarantee if you're into football that your auntie or uncle or your gran will spot this on the shelf and you'll probably end up with this wrapped up and, and on your present pile anyway. But it's it's twelve ninety nine. It's out at the end of the month. They sent me a copy. I've really enjoyed it. It's a really funny read. And if you like the buff and the, the, the attempts at humour that we try, this is like this is much better. This is this these are professionals. These are really good at what they're doing. So not like not like me and you, Emery. Yes, they are, and they, uh, you know, I mean, you could argue they have a more broader spectrum to talk about football weekly. I mean, there's all sorts happening football weekly, whereas with Bolton, it's uh, a World Cup. We have got, we've got to do a World Cup of Bolton signings when nothing's <laughs> happening. Uh, but no, very good podcast, very good. Uh, and it, I, I, I'll be getting that book myself because it sounds great. Yes, I do highly recommend it. Anyway, so that's my plug over with. I might even get that job at the Guardian. Yeah, Henry, you never, you <laughs> never do know. You never do know. Okay, uh, so that's all we've got time for this week. Join us again next Friday. Of course, we'll be looking forward to game against Peterborough and your mate Dara. Ooh, interesting. Okay, until next week, he has been Henry Hewitt. And he has been Mark Isles. And that was the buff. 